Welcome to In the Circle, an inside look at field hockey in the United States, a podcast that gets you closer to the athletes, staff, club administrators, coaches, umpires, and fans of USA Field Hockey. I'm Allie Campbell, USA Women's National Team Athlete, and today I'm joined by Lauren Crandall, Tiki Barber, and Tracy Fuchs, all Team USA Olympians and former captains of the United States National Team. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, today's topic is going to cover the position of captaining Team USA. And I would say we have one heck of a panel for it, so I'm really excited to dive in. So let's go ahead and get into some introductions. I know I could talk about you guys all day long, but I know that everybody wants to hear from you guys. So let's start with Tracy. Go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction of yourself. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Tracy Fuchs. I played on the national team from... 1987 to 2004. I was fortunate enough to play with Tiki and, co and coach Tiki and also coach Cranny on both the junior national team and the national teams. I am um, currently the head coach at Northwestern University and have also um, coached our junior teams uh, after retirement. So full slate there. Great. Go ahead, Tiki. Hello, everyone. I am uh, Kate Barber Kinnear, uh, or many may know me as Tiki. Um, I am currently in Virginia Beach. I played on the U.S. national team uh, from 97 uh, through 2008. Um, and as Tracy mentioned, played, um, she was my captain when I first joined the team. Um, and so I uh, had, had a lot of influence by herself. And then I was fortunate enough to uh, be the captain of the team when Lauren joined the, the team, or Cranny uh, joined the team, and we went to uh, the 2008 Beijing Games. So I am sandwiched between these two lovely ladies um, and obviously are very happy to be here. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. And last but not least, Cran, go ahead. <laughs> Hey guys, I am Lauren Crandall Liska, freshly and new. Um, I live in Reno, Nevada. I played on the national team from 2005 to 2016. I played in three different Olympics. Um, I played with Tiki, who was my captain from 2005 to 2008. And then I was captain of the team in 2012, London Games, and 2016, Rio Games. And the whole reason I made the national team was because Tracy was my U21 coach. And in Puerto Rico at the Junior Pan Am Games, she said, hey, do you want to go to New Zealand? And I said, let me check my party schedule. Um, yeah, I think I can make it. And... So that is my connection to these two here, and I'm very honored to be uh, sitting here talking about leadership with them. And I'm honored just to be in your guys' presence. This is awesome. I'm so excited. So, like mentioned earlier, today's topic's the role of being a captain on a team. So let's go ahead and get into it. I know we're all still very competitive. We're competitors here. So let's go ahead and start with an on-the-spot challenge. Are we ready? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I want you all to think of three words that best that best describe your captain leadership style. And three, two, one. Tiki, go. Um, 
honored. Uh, yeah, this is good. Um, I would say, <laughs> uh, you know, basically lead by example was kind of one of the things that I tried to. I know that's probably three words in itself, um, but example. Um, and then just responsibility, I would say. Um, Great. Really powerful words there. Uh, Cranny, go ahead. Communication, example, privilege. Awesome. Tracy? Yeah, I'm going to go with um, selfless, competitive, and loyal. Great. Good job, guys. I see we yeah, all have time to think. That's not fair. She had the most time to think. For sure. Hey, She's also the oldest and most wise. Job, man, that was awesome. I mean, you guys still all thrive under pressure. So amazing. That's what so. the insurance industry will do to you. <laughs> all right. Let's get into some not so specific questions here. A little longer winded. So Thinking about your time as the captain on Team USA, what were some of your most challenging moments while leading the team? Let's go ahead and start with Tracy this time. What's reverse order? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the one uh, moment in time that comes into my mind is, um, is what happened on 9-11. Our team was supposed to fly out on September 12, 2001, and um, obviously our country, um, you know, 9-11 happened. And I can remember sitting with my teammates and trying to figure out how we were gonna, one, find out if all our friends and families were okay, and two, if we were ever gonna get to this tournament so we could qualify for the World Cup. And um, I just remember U.S. field hockey saying, okay, it's an individual decision. Here's the phone number. You let us know if you're going to fly. And I think I called every 20 minutes to see if we had 11 people that were willing to fly. And fast forward, every single player on that team was willing to sacrifice and, and compete for our country. And um, it was a real moment. And I think, you know, we didn't get to fly out that next week. We had to wait. Um, in Peggy Storer's words, uh, a full uh, pregnancy over nine months before we could actually play and compete after going to India and getting sent home and then finally beating India in England. And, um, you know, as a captain and a leader, you have to, you know, uh, try to get everybody through those situations. And um, fortunately, we had a uh, a lot of leadership on that team and we're able to go over to England and beat India two out of three and, um, you know, compete in the World Cup. So I would say that was probably one of my most challenging moments. Wow. Yeah. Tiki, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, Tracy, that, that would have come to, you know, you said it pretty eloquently there um, going through it. So I, I won't duplicate that. Um, but I, I would say, the, the most challenging part for me was when we didn't qualify um, and, and send a team in 2004. Um, that one really, really hurt. 2000 stung, um, but 2004, after we had gone through the 9-11 and, and things and how we had come, come together as a team uh, to miss out and not qualify for the Olympics and, and knowing that we weren't sending a team uh, to 
<clears throat> to the games, um, that, that one hurt. And I, and I would say it also took a lot of time to figure out, you know, that was a determining time in my career as well. Is it, um, that's when I had decided originally to, to step away um, just because I didn't think that I, I could mentally go through the hurt um, of, of not qualifying. So, you know, the failure of 2004, um, you know, I, I had stepped away. So that kind of led me down that path. Um, but it also invigorated me. Um, and then with, with the right other, you know, teammates uh, and those that all committed similarly, you know, obviously not in a terrible situation like 9-11, but similarly, there was a, a very big core group of athletes that that knew that we needed to get back on on the field um, and come together as a team, um, and so that was, uh, you know, the hard work there paid it off. Uh, folks like Cranny, who was doing school and, and driving up and down the East Coast, uh, there was many different stories there. But you know, in the end, um, you know, being able to, to accomplish that and, and get the team back uh, at the games was pretty awesome. So great, and Crane, go ahead. Well, Tiki, thank you for coming back um, and taking another turn at it because that my first three years on the team were um, set a good precedent to what I think I hope I continued on throughout my career. But uh, my most challenging moment as a captain, I would say, comes at the 2012 Olympic Games. Um, so it was our second time being in the Games and specifically, um, I would say after the South Africa loss, I believe we lost seven to one. I don't even remember if we scored or not, but um, it was our last pool play game. It was just one of those games where you, you, you kept thinking, you had the, the mental, um, mental toughness to say, we'll, we'll bounce back from this. You know, you go down one, nothing, two, nothing three, nothing. I bring the team together. Guys, we're fine. Let's play our game. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And then things just kept tumbling down to, um, to a, an embarrassing loss on an international stage to a team that didn't South Africa wise, didn't, um, didn't do very well, um, prior to leading up to those games. So the tough part there was when you're physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausted as a player, and then trying to pick a team up, address the issues, and get us ready for the next game. I think we had like four, three or four days rest, which these two will tell you is difficult in a tournament setting to have such a long rest time um, to mentally focus and, and you know, put the pieces back together so that when you come out on the field, um, you're better for it. And ultimately, when we played Belgium um, in the 11-12 game, we lost, so we weren't better for it. Um, that all around those two games and then the few month period after those 2012 games was, was very challenging for me as a captain. But oddly enough, um, as a player and as a captain, when our coaching staff um, was fired and we were basically just wiped clean and starting new. It was probably the only time in my career, I would say that I knew I was fully committed to staying, to be part of the transition into the new program. Um, I didn't wanna leave the program in, in what it was. I wanted to make sure that we, we were better for the lessons learned that we really took 
the 2012 Olympics, the results, the processes leading up to it head on and made sure that we were better for it. So that was probably the lowest point of, uh, as a player for me. And then also as a captain and a leader, um, what do you do about that? How do you make sure that you're better? And yeah, I mean, I, I recommitted and wanted to make sure that that didn't happen again and use the lessons learned to, um, to ignite, you know, the next phase of, of what USA field hockey would be in that next Olympic buildup. So a lot of lessons learned for me, um, but that was definitely the most challenging. And with that challenge um, of trying to bounce back from South Africa as a leader and a captain, I failed in the next game. So um, a lot of failure, I would say, in my captaincy role uh, in the early stages that I think built me as a person, player, and, and leader that um, I grew into. So challenge and failure and uh, then ultimately I'd say in the 2016 build-up success. Yeah and just you know reflecting off of your guys's responses I think a lot of times sometimes people think captains know it all or they've got all the answers and just echoing Ukraine we're always learning everyone's always learning and always growing and it's just how you're able to respond to different situations. And that's what makes you guys so phenomenal. So moving on to the next question, since we just touched on your most challenging, what do you think was your most rewarding? Who wants to go ahead and start with that? I can go first. Um, Cause I kind of just alluded to it. Um, <laughs> The most rewarding for me was the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. Every, every single game, every single moment, every single training session, every single decision um, made in those Rio games was, I'm not a mother um, yet, but I felt like a proud mother in the team that we had, the staff that we had, and everything that we were, that we were doing. It was just the most cohesive, um, thriving team that I've ever been part of. And it is uh, because of the work that we put in starting three years prior to that. But my, my most proud for sure was all of those games. And even after our tough loss in the quarterfinals against Germany, um, walking off that field, me knowing it was the last time I was ever going to play, it was a lot of emotions, but mostly just being so freaking proud of every one of my teammates for all that we had put in, uh, in, in that lead up and that build up. So the, the culmination there was, was definitely 2016 Rio games. Proud mama. That's great. Tracy, how about you? Yeah, sure. I think, um, a few come to mind, but probably the 1994, uh, World Cup in Ireland. Our team was seated 11th at a 12th uh, going into the tournament. And I can remember sitting in a leadership meeting and uh, Pam Hickson and um, the coaching staff asking, you know, what our goals were for this tournament. And I, I, I remember Jill Reeve saying, we're going to medal. And them kind of looking at us like, okay, maybe you want to set a realistic goal. And um, you know, it, it just, it, it takes an army and we were, we sat there and we said, we're going to medal. And we ended up, um, you know, winning a bronze medal in that World Cup and having the Irish fans really take us as their home team. 
Um, and, you know, in order to accomplish something, you have to believe it. And it's not just you as the captain, it's, it's the leaders and it's the role of players and it's everybody together. So I think that one comes to mind. And then the second one, and you can't really call me a captain at the time, but uh, I was a junior national coach when Lee Bottomy took over the team and um, I didn't know him very well, but he said, who do I need to, what do I need to do? What do, who do I need to get, you know, moving forward? And I looked at him and I said, you've got to get Tiki back. And um, he looked at me and he trusted me and he got Tiki back. And I really think, um, you know, as a player and a leader, I couldn't be more proud of that because I don't think without Tiki coming back and them taking their lumps in New Zealand um, for those first few months that U.S. field hockey would be where it is today. So um, I think those two are probably two of my more rewarding um, as a coach and a player, if you will. Awesome. Awesome. Tiki? Well, that was nice, Niner. I'll, I'll send you the check in the mail. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> No, I, I would say, you know, again, fortunate to have had, you know, the opportunity to play with both of these individuals. But I mean, for me, I, I think the, the most rewarding was Kazan Russia. Um, when we, who to thunk, you know, they would have a qualifying tournament in Kazan Russia where it's sub-zero temperatures and wind howling and things like that. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Rocky Four, you know, Rocky fan being from Philly and stuff. And like, I really felt like I was Rocky Balboa when we landed in Russia and just was like, it took your breath away with how cold it was. Um, and, and so again, just, you know, the, the hard work that we had all put in and the commitment that the team uh, and the coaches, you know, ours was believe and kind of like what Niner had said, you know, at times there was not that belief. Um, and, and Lee and, and Steve and Niner and everybody, they, they truly, uh, Jazia, you know, had, had a huge belief in us. Um, and, and so to, <clears throat> to have that final moment where we, we did it, um, you know, and, and had that belief. And then, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out in Beijing when we got there. Um, we didn't have the tournament that we had hoped we had, but we still had that belief going into that tournament that we were going to be on the medal stand. Um, you know, it didn't fall the way we had hoped, um, but to me that reward, the challenges that went through it, we spoke about it, you know, the hard work, like when you, when you truly earn something and, and like Cranny said, and, and like Niner said, you know, when you truly earn something, it means so much more, right, than when people just give you things. And so to, to me, uh, as the captain in there, uh, you know, I am a proud mama, fortunately, of three uh, little ones, uh, but that was, you know, they'd call me granny for, you know, my old age and, and similar, um, you know, memory lapses and things like that. Um, but that taking, <laughs> taking those, uh, you know, being a part of that team was something truly special where um, we took the, we took it upon our shoulders to say, hey, we've got to, we've got to commit to this and believe in ourselves to get U.S. field hockey back on. So um, that, that would be mine in a, in a nutshell. And I'd just like to add to what um, Tiki said. Doing this. <laughs> Go ahead, Granny. So I think it's so in retrospect, right? Like hindsight's twenty twenty. We look back, uh, and my, you know, the all, well, Tiki and I's first Olympics were two thousand eight. But I was lucky enough to be 
um, very young, the young buck. And then, you know, fast forward 11 years or eight years later, I was then granny cranny. Um, I think the same age as Tiki on it, but it's so interesting to look at what Tiki said, Kazan, Russia, right? Winning that qualifying, like all the joy, that was amazing. Going into the Beijing Olympics and hearing Tiki say that it wasn't the tournament we wanted and it was kind of a, a failure where we ended up. I look back now, I'm like, I think we were ranked 13th, Tiki, 11th, 12th, yeah. 13th, and we finished eighth, the last right. game against Spain, disappointing there. But if you take a look at what we went into the tournament ranked and where we ended up, and of course, everybody wants to medal, but that now is such a success in my mind, having it be everybody's first Olympics. Um, a huge tribute, I would say, because you, you take a bunch of... Uh, young kids who have young kids uh quote who have never been to the olympic games and under tiki's leadership and just you know kick-ass attitude of like we're here we're we're gonna work we're gonna do this i'm sure she's very disappointed in that but but we look back like that is a success and it's a tribute to the leadership that we had on that team to be able to do so well finishing eighth even though we are disappointed and i love the fact that we were disappointed because it just shows you know what the what our actual goals were whether they were realistic or not um that was a success and Tiki, that's a tribute to to you because of it so i hope that you can change your mindset into uh 2008 being in your mind a disappointment or not because for sure for usa field hockey and from when you look at um bigger picture wise that was a huge success you've changed my mind granny well done yes and you can pay me that check also in the mail. <laughs> All right. So you guys talk about a little bit of the mentality surrounding being a captain and going through rewarding times, but also the challenging times. How about the days when it feels like it's just another Tuesday or it's just another Friday? What kind of mentality or philosophy are you trying to embrace as a captain, but even as a player? What are you trying to think about in those moments? Let's go with Tracy. I'll take that. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Your, your turn. No. Um, I, I would say is, I mean, it's cliche as kind of a cliche, right? But it, it's fake it till you make it a little bit. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's the honest truth, right? Is every day you don't feel your best. Every day you can find a reason or an excuse to not to not step out and, and improve yourself or challenge yourself. And so as a leader um, and, and a captain, your younger folks, you know, they rely on you. And so sometimes you do have to dig down and put on, put on the happy face. And there's nothing wrong with that um, because you can't be 100% on the time, but you can't let people see your weaknesses or have those moments because then it just is going to have a trickling effect to others. So it's you just have to put on the business suit for lack of better words and, and figure out a way to push through it. Because as my grandfather, you know, he always told me growing up is that no matter how hard you work, you're working, there's somebody out there that's working just as hard or harder than you. And, you know, that person is going to be the one that, you know, you, you will lose to uh, at, at some point. So I, I would say you just have to find a way to get it done and put on that face. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, um, 
I don't think either of you uh, were fortunate enough to play for Beth Anders, but um, we would have five or six hour practices. Sorry, Tiki, uh, my memory is like your memory now. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget being in New Zealand or somewhere and we would have five or six hour practices and there were no corners in there and thinking, oh my God, that went fast and, and just getting through it. And there are days when um, you don't feel your best, but you just have to go out there and do the very best you can. And um, I'll never forget, and it was a sign. We had to, um, uh, Dr. Bruce Dick and Jerry Martin um, used to train us when Tiki and I played together and they were some tough workouts. And I was doing a, a workout on a bike and they were called snaps where you had to find a hill and pedal up as hard as you can and stroll down. And there was this old man and woman um, and she was in a wheelchair and they were, they got out of their car and he put her in the wheelchair and she got up and she walked 10 steps and then walked back to the wheelchair and he looked at me and he said, what are you training for? And I said, uh, I'm on the US um, field hockey team. And, I'm, and I looked and I said, what are you doing? He's like, that was our exercise. And it just, it makes you realize, you know, you, it, it, they were so proud just to be able to walk for two minutes. And here I am complaining about doing a bike workout. And I think sometimes you just have to look for the signs. And I think ever since that moment, um, I never look back. I was like, if the, this man and woman in their 80s can, can get out there and do it every day, then it should be easy for me. And um, I know when I'm 80, um, that's about as far as I'm going to be able to walk. So um, I can't wait for that. Karen, how about you? Can I get the question again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was just reflecting on when we're talking about tournament settings and highs and lows of your captainship. But what about like the normal everyday Tuesday or the normal everyday monotonous Friday that maybe you don't feel your best or you're really just trying to get through it yourself as a player too? How do you bring your leadership or how do you, like Tiki said, fake it till you make it or put on a brave face? for your teammates to keep leading. Yeah, good one. Uh, that sounds like our days in the 2016 buildup, right? On a random Tuesday in Lancaster, Pennsylvania when it smells like manure and nobody's watching you. Um, that is the story of an Olympic athlete, I would say, right? There's a, there's a saying, I think at, at least the Chula Vista Olympic Training Center, it's not every four years, it's every day. Most people don't realize that you know, we're, we're not just coming uh, to a tournament once every four years, you know, you, you got to earn it. And to Tiki's point, you do have to fake it until you make it, it whether it's in your belief, um, which I think was some of the things in our, in our 2008 buildup, right? We might not necessarily believe that we belong here, but we're going to, we're going to have that mentality that we're going to take on and, you know, fake it till you make it there. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I would say a little bit different from um, my other two counterparts. I, there are times when you do struggle as a player, right? You're a captain, you're a leader, um, you, you hold that title, but at least in my last four years, I held that title because my teammates voted me into that position, whether out of fear and they just didn't uh, wanna not have me do it or whether they truly believed it. But that was, um, that was a change from my first how many years on the map? My first, let's say, two Olympic cycles to the last one when Craig came in, 
we actually started to elect uh, a captain and an assistant captain. And there was, um, I don't know, I think it was more empowering that way because, you know, people, I was now chosen by my peers and my teammates. And in a way it's humbling because um, they're the ones they're saying, Hey, you're our leader. We're going to follow you. Um, and to that humbling standpoint, if I was having a rough time or when I was struggling or say even during an injury or whatnot, when you can't be out there with your teammates, I relied on my teammates. Sometimes, you know, I like to lead by example, but there's times where you know, maybe you're not able to fake it until you make it. Maybe you do need help and to ask your teammates for help and to be able to build um, and stand on the shoulders of your teammates, I think is, is a really important thing. If there's, you know, younger girls or boys listening right now, um, humble yourself sometimes. And, you know, you don't have to be the strongest person there is who, you know, is Superman or Superwoman. Um, you're part of a team and you love team sport because you can rely on your teammates and they help you, they help build you and they can strengthen you. So um, I would say when, when no one's watching, you always want to be at your best. Um, I think that's just a normal Olympic athletes. Just know that, you know, I, I'm going to make my gains when there's no cameras around, when nobody's watching, when you're in a team sport, you know, I'm, when I'm my best, I might be able to motivate one of my teammates who's down in the dumps and you don't even know it, you know, they might not talk about it. Or there were many times where I wasn't at my best and I look at my teammates, you know, like I see Melissa Gonzalez giving her all out there, just working her butt off. Same with Katie Reimprecht. And I'm like, all right, I know that they're injured. I saw them in the training room this morning and if they can get through it, so can I. So um, kind of like Niner said, right? Your perspective is interesting. So kind of shut up, get over it because they're doing it. Uh, you can do it too. And you just don't know when you're going to be able to, to motivate somebody um, to, to work for that extra five minutes or say you're doing, you know, three rounds of a three minute small game. And that last round, you're like, all right, I had a good two games, you know, that I should be fine. And, uh, you look to your teammates to have you push for that next three minutes. And because you're pushing another teammate's going to look at you and say, okay, she's doing it. I can do it. Right. It's, it's, it's that build that you get in it. And I think um, that's the strength of a team. Not everybody is going to be 100% at their best all at the same time. And that's why you rely on your teammates to do it. So I would say I, I, I did rely on the strength of my teammates and I was lucky to be able to do that so that I could be a better leader. Yeah, and I had the privilege of being um, led by you, Cran. And I can say that even on those days, I always look to you and just your strength and your ability to keep everyone inclusive and just like demand the best out of everyone. Always to me, I was just like, dang, how does she do it every day? You know, and it really, it's truly inspiring. And, you know, there's ups and downs, especially in that Rio 2016 buildup. And, that was honestly some of the toughest things that I've ever done, but having you as a leader in that group just really set the highest standards of what we needed. And you were always very aware of what the group needed to. And I appreciate that. And I will take that $5 this But I think, well, before we move on, I think it's super important to, um, to, think about it in that context for for people like you 
when I look at Tiki, because she was my captain, right? It's not like Tiki knew what to say at every time, right? It's not a matter of Tiki was a captain when we were in a huddle and she was the one talking and she was going to motivate us. No, Tiki was her best leader when we were in a game and she was right midfielder after an hour of conditioning just crushing the sideline with sprints and beating everybody, right? Leading by example. It's not a matter of um, trying to be an image of a leader. It's, it's being yourself and knowing what your strengths are and doing that because that's why, that's why your team's going to follow you. It's not, I'm trying to be something that, that, you know, I think I'm supposed to be. It's Tiki and Niner, I, you, I never got to play with you. Um, but Tiki was the best leader when she was her best self and she was doing what she does. And that's why we followed her. Amazing. Really cool stuff, guys. So let's switch some gears here. All right. So we've moved on from our playing careers, right? Some of us are coaches. Some of us are in the quote unquote real world, right, Cran? How do you guys view a captain now as maybe a coach or as a head of a business or as just a leader in maybe your department of a corporation? How do you guys view a captain or a leader now? I think it touches a little bit of what Cranny was speaking about is that everyone's leadership style is different and it has to it has to fit their personality right like in that regard you can't fake it until you make it right like I'm not a cheerleader I'm not like a rah-rah person like and I can't pretend that I am that person and so then it becomes like I, I when I have a leader I, I just respect them because it, it comes natural to them and they believe and they're honest in how they're, how they're speaking things. You can, you can kind of find the untruth, if that's a word, I don't even know, you know, in, in people, if it, if it doesn't, if, and, it, and that's where I, I look at people in my workplace and then just, you know, with, with nine or like, you know, when she was our captain, I don't know if I'm, I'm saying that like accurately or how I'm trying to express it, but it, it becomes natural to them in their personality, in the way that they handle things on and off the field, <clears throat> which mo which makes excellent leaders and people in, in high powered positions in the business world and things like that, right? It's that it becomes natural to them to act in a certain way. And you can't try and take on a different role if it's not really who you are. So I don't know if that, again, I don't know if I expressed that accurately but cranny touched on it there is right like i was i feel like my strength like that is i i knew that i wasn't the most skilled on the field absolutely like by 100 you know nine, 99 of the people that are on the field were better skilled than me but i made up for it with the hard work i knew i had to overcome and do a little bit more outside of the, the skill that i was never going to be able to achieve and so by that that's kind of where i found my niche in all right i'm going to be the fit at Fittest, fittest person out here because that's what I can control. I'm not going to make myself an incredibly skilled, you know, top player in the world, but you can make up for it in a different way. Now, I don't know if I achieved that because Carrie Lingo continued to beat me and all of these things after she's had 900 knee surgeries and things. But again, that was, you know, it's that competition. It's that competitiveness that, that you kind of find in, in, in joy in leaders. Cool. Yeah, I, I think Tiki hit the nail on the head. I think for me, um, what 
really effective captains do is one, they solve problems, they don't create them. And I think for the three of us, um, I can easily say that we always had a team first mentality. It was never about us. And I think um, when you look at other really good leaders across business or sports, that's a really an attribute that they probably have um, it, to empower others. And then, I mean, listen to Tiki saying she's not the best one out there when she was, but you have to be humble. And I think um, if you do those things, you really get the respect of those around you. And then it makes it easier for us as leaders to empower others because um, obviously the more leaders you had and just because we were captains, there were many, many other great leaders around us. And if you can empower them, then it's a, the culture is a, about the team and not about any one individual. So I think um, that's where probably looking at all of us, we're very, very similar in that respect. I think in all honesty, I feel bad for all of my bosses and managers that I will have in the future because um, being in the real world, right? I, I now am part of a corporate system. Um, sometimes it's difficult. I mean, we, we were very fortunate to play it, to play at the highest level of sport for a very long time. So you learn a lot about leadership. Um, I developed my leadership style from, from every single person I came in contact with, right? Whether you agree with what they do or not, I'm gonna take some of what I like about them, I'm gonna take some of the things that I don't like, and I'm gonna use both of those to make me a better leader, to make me a better person. So I feel like my big challenge was 2017, starting into the real world and having this big view on our leadership and teamwork and all of this and, and trying to put it into a, a corporate, uh, a corporate textbook has been interesting. So uh, it, in the, I have a lot of expectations because I've had a lot of great leaders in my time as an athlete. Um, so my, my boss and my managers, I feel like have a lot to, um, <laughs> a lot to live up to, which makes it really difficult for them. Um, sorry, Christian, who's my current boss. But uh, I just feel very fortunate that we've had such experience in in the leadership realm uh, as as it relates to teamwork and so much of uh, who I am in my new job in the insurance world is 100% a result of the experience I had as an athlete and a captain. So I, I kind of reverse or like flip the question. Um, but I don't have expectations of my bosses and managers because I don't know what their past experiences were, but I have expectations of myself uh, in my role, what, you know, whether, you know, whether I'm a leader in my district or not, I, I take everything that I've learned in my time as an athlete on that international stage and, and put it into my job. I think that's one of the things that as athletes, you'll never realize while you're, while you're in your playing career, um, you don't realize how valuable you are and what lessons and strengths you have and how much of a advantage you have over most people going into the real world. I entered it when I was 31 or 32. Um, there's a lot of qualities that make us some of the best uh, employees that a 
business could ask for, I'd say. So yeah, I kind of flipped the question on you a little bit, but um, I'm very fortunate to have had all the experiences I've had that's developed my leadership style. Great. All right. So branching off and kind of starting to wrap up here, is there any advice or maybe a phrase that you think about or a word that like Tiki mentioned, believe, or is there anything that you guys would advise to maybe a newly appointed captain or of even like a middle school team or a high school team or college? Cause we know leadership can start super early now. Is there anything you guys would maybe recommend to help that athletes start their fulfilling that role with, a little bit more, I guess, info or feeling a little bit more educated? I would say uh, my advice is be authentic uh, for, for those middle school, high school, doesn't matter what age group you are, um, figure out what, figure out what your strengths are, figure out who you are, and, and be that best person, right? Always stay open to learning and developing and growing. You have to humble yourself to know that there's always gonna be someone better than you. There's always gonna be someone that does it uh, better than you that you can learn from. You can even learn from the people who don't do it as good as you. Um, what aren't they doing that, that, or what are they doing that isn't successful that you can then change? But for, for me, being a captain was never about wearing a captain's band on my right shin guard or my left. I don't even remember anymore. It used to be part of my pregame routine, but it was never a label for me. It was something uh, that uh, I was just who I was. I'm very competitive. I'm very outspoken. I don't really know how to be quiet. Listening was one of my diff most difficult skills to learn, um, which I'm still working on, I would say, but I was always myself. I never tried to be Tiki, you know? T Tiki and I lead in different ways and the things I learned from her, I took part of who I wanted to be. Same thing with Niner. Um, same thing with Kelly Doten, my captain at Wake Forest, uh, and then my national team teammate. Each person I've, I've been a teammate with and been led by, I've taken that into who I am, my authentic self, so that I can truly lead with how I know best, right? Which was just being me. So, so be authentic. Don't try and be someone you, you see on TV. And if they're doing it a certain way, you're like, oh, that's, that's who I should be. That's how I should be. Be you, be authentic. You have to know yourself really well and just be that best version of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I would say be yourself. It's very similar to Cranny. That's why you were chosen because of the characteristics that you had. So don't try to be somebody else. Yep, you might have to talk a little bit more in the huddles or uh, motivate your team a little bit more. Um, and then the other one is respect everyone. Uh, uh, you don't want a team of all yourselves. You'll never win. You have to respect the differences that each and every teammate has um, and let them you know, express their creativity. And I think that's what makes the best teams. Um, I completely agree both <clears throat> with what Cranny and Niner were saying. I, I mean, the other thing that I would add out there is, you know, no excuses. That was kind of 
a motto, right? Like don't make an excuse of why you didn't get up and do a workout, right? The accountability, um, that part of it all, like you have to, if you expect others to follow your lead, you have to, to, to do it yourself. And that is kind of, you know, again, it's a cliche, but you can't expect them to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. Um, and, and that is, is kind of, you know, just what every great leader, you know, Niner, you know, for as long her career, like how do you play at the elite level for that long? Like just day in and day out and like still continue to motivate and drag other people along with you and, and have that mentality that this is what I'm born to do. Um, and so, you know, being willing to do things that are uncomfortable, um, you know, you have to be uncomfortable in speaking in public things. You know, that was never something that I enjoyed. I didn't like getting up in front of people and speaking, right? But it comes with it. And, and that's what grows you as a person, not just between the hockey field lines. Um, it grows you personally uh, in your professional career, as Cranny mentioned. I mean, you know, we're kind of crossing and lapping, overlapping a little bit here with the, the sentiment, but um, you know, again, don't, don't make an excuse, you know, oh, I, I, I should have, I should have done it after the fact it's too late. You've missed the window of opportunity. Bingo. Great. Oh, I'm just like taking it all in and just really enjoying this conversation, but that's all I've got. And I'm just feeling really thankful for being able to spend the time with you guys and hear about your experiences and how to even make myself better as I continue to play and help lead younger athletes in my coaching too. So I just thank you all so much for your time today and spending time with In the Circle podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much again for us, Allie. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you guys. All right. Miss you guys. Thanks guys. Love you guys. Awesome to see you guys. Yeah. Spread out, create space, five yards. We hear these cues all season when playing field hockey, but we need to remember them even more while social distancing. STX field hockey is here to support you as you continue to create space during this time. Follow us at STX field hockey on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter at stx.com for daily tips and tricks on how to keep the stick in your hand while social distancing.